I'm trying to find this kangaroo video. It, it's come up so many times. <laughs> On TikTok? Yeah, I can't. I think I saved it. But there's this, there's this dude who... He was who is the guy who got killed by the um the uh the ray, the stingray. You know, and he, he got pinched Oh, Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yeah. Well he this guy, I found this video, this guy yeah. preceded. He was like the guy who came before Steve Irwin. Oh really? Yeah, and he's squaring up to this kangaroo. And and like this kangaroo, he's like leaning back all flexed and like a boxer. Because they're quite muscly, kangaroos. Yeah, he's muscly, but he's also live. And he starts squaring up to this trainer. I've got to try and find it. Mm. But he's all like bobbing and weaving, and he's got his shoulders back and his, this kangaroo. And so the trainer, he, he pushes him in the chest. He, he said, this is how, basically how you communicate with him. So he pushes him back. And then and, and, he, and the kangaroo's bobbing and weaving around the pushes and... Well, and as he, you as you've said this, it'll be on the video because I'll edit it. Right, in. and then he tries to smack him, mm. and he's going whoa, 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 and then seconds later he's going, and now he goes, he crouches down, and the kangaroo crouches down with him and starts starts stroking his nose. No, and he goes, the fight's done, the fight's over. How so interesting! They square up. So one minute they're like, let's have a dust up, and the next minute they're done. they're buddies. Yeah, they're done. It's a bit like blokes, isn't it? That's fascinating. Do that, My dog it? does something similar. Does it? Yeah, so he'll he'll get quite agitated, and he's a he's a he's an alpha dog, mm. and he gets quite dominant at times. Yeah, and then when I I push back every now and then, I'll, I'll, I'll he'll know the lines crossed, and he drops to his back, legs in the air, submits, submits. But then when he gets back up, he shakes, like full, you know, where they shake, and he does it every time as well, a like reset, shake, like nerve shake. It's an emotional reset. We're over it. Yeah, done. We're moving on. And he's he's gone. He's on to the next thing. That's really interesting. Mm. I learned this about, like, working culture amongst men. Mm. When I was working in the bank, you'd have these, like, blazing, tense sales meetings or, you know, people getting really frustrated at each yeah. other because you're taking a bit of commission or someone else, you close the deal to that person can close. And yeah. Whatever. There'd be all this argy-bargy. Yeah. And you go down the pub. You know, in Leicester Square or whatever after, and it'd be as if it never happened. Shaking it off. Shaking it off. So, yeah, whatever. That was work. Mm. This is play. Mm. Is what it is. Not saying that politics didn't rumble on and stuff, mm. but you kind That's of said what you got to say and then you just move on. Yeah, we're moving on. Which I'm a bit like that with staff for the most part. Like, yeah. Said what you got to say. I, de- I tend to dwell for a bit, I must Do say. You? I'm a dweller, yeah, yeah. Stuff lingers in my head and I think, oh. The tentacles of it. Yeah, the feelings, brain. emotions of it. I get wrapped up. I do get emotionally wrapped up in stuff. Yeah, I Hurts do. You. Yeah, it can do. Mm. Yeah. I can have that. How do you... So what... How would you go about... So a guy like me, mm. you have these... Because skirmishes happen in life, don't mm. they? How do you move on? Well, I suppose there's scale of... The scale of... How important is it? And how much is that me? And how much is that, you know, something that's really strategic and important? So some sort of dissection of, of thought. It's like, let me let me think pick so. this apart a bit. What, why am I feeling this? Yeah, you have to do it, you know, conversation by conversation, don't you? Or bit yeah. by bit. So yeah. what I've realised is that people are, like, massively fickle. 
Mm. And that hate that they had for you yesterday could be the praise they have for you tomorrow. Mm. Like, like, let's take an example. Look at Clarkson, right? Jeremy mm. Clarkson. Yeah. So he does this stupid article about mm. Meghan Markle mm. and some joke that, that was grotesque and really mm. confusing mm. and... And and everyone calls him out on it, and Amazon are rumored to be dropping him from Prime, and right. gets mentioned in the House of Commons. Wow! Like his daughter disavows him, or you know, oh, disassociates wow. herself from his comments, and you know, all everyone jumping on the bandwagon. Then Clarkson's Farm Two comes out, yeah, and suddenly he's the best thing since sliced bread, and this is the best TV ever. And even the Guardian, you know, quite left-leaning, who had basically mm. wanted to ruin him a mm. few weeks ago, are now saying, this is this is the Jeremy we all love, you know. And wow. People are fickle, it's, man. It's a very interesting... Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so I kind of process stuff like that. Like, as a leader, they're going to hate you one day and they'll love you the next, and you're only as good as your last decision. And, you know, that's just it. So I don't take things too personal. Mm. But when it is personal, I just think, well, yeah, my wife loves me. The, yeah. the dog definitely does. You know, God loves me. Yeah, you go to some basics. Go back to basics, yeah. Mm. Is this really going to matter next week? Is it going to matter in a month? Yeah. Is it going to matter in a year? Is it worth dying in a ditch over? Very interesting. So a guy, a guy came to faith Saturday, right? We're at an event. I'll try not to do too many details. I want to try and keep him a little bit anonymous. His name's Jeff, yeah? Jeff. Yeah, yeah Jeff. <laughs> he came to faith. But he came to faith off the back of a real and honest story that led it, you know, it's not my story that did the work. Hear me, hear me out here. But I shared something of my past, mm. of a feeling, of a failure, of an emotion and a, and a, a sense in me of revenge and all this stuff. Yeah. I shared how Jesus of the cross got into that place mm. and healed me, you know. And he came up to me and he said, that's what, that touched my heart. He said, because that's where I am. I can't let go of stuff. Right. I'm holding on to stuff. And he said, people, when they react around me, I, I feel like as a man, I can't let it go. I've got to do something. Mm. It was a real battle. Like, I could see it. You know, yeah, he, right. he, he, it was physical. It's physical manifestation of it. Like, I, I just can't let go. Interesting. Because he, he, he felt he had to, I don't know, in somehow, some way, he just couldn't shake it off. Just couldn't do what my dog does and shakes it off and moves on. And Pride, and I guess. Pride, ego, yeah, yeah, pride. Yeah. pride and yeah. We get caught up on the wrong stuff, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, over many years now of leading stuff, you know, People just have opinions about you all the time, don't they? Mm. You can't base your life on what people think about you. Nothing would ever change. You'd never do anything. No. You just end up pleasing people all the time. Yeah. I think in leadership in particular, you can't be a people pleaser. And do if, you, you go Well, if you're wired for that, you've <coughs> got to unwire it. you just got to. Yeah. Do you, do you think the older you get, and I think the answer to this is yes, definitely, but the older we get, the less you try and please everyone and the more... Because I think my thought is... Especially now, what my forty-four in May, I, I, it's not, a, it's not a. Let me get this right. I don't care, care less what people think, right. but I care less. If that makes sense, it yeah. doesn't impact me anymore. I'm not no. trying to please anyone. 
I'm more sure of myself than I've ever been. Not in a cocky, arrogant way, yeah. but in a way that says, look... Be more comfortable in your own yeah, skin. Yeah, you may not like what I've got to say, but this is my heart and this is where I'm at. And, yeah. And I'll accept you and you accept me. And, but it, that's not always the case. I think growing up, you're so desperate for affirmation, acceptance and... I don't know. I mean, I think you've said this before, that the older you're getting, the less worried you are about what people think of you or what think of your ideas. Well, or... the point being that they, you can moderate your decisions or your thinking to please people only to find that they'll chuck the bus, chuck you under a bus <coughs> for something else a month yeah. down the line. You know, yeah. I mean, they, particularly on social media, you know, one minute they'll love you, the next minute they'll hate you. Mm. And the danger is you think, oh, I'm not going to have an opinion on anything because they just hate me. I heard something really interesting on social media this morning. I was listening to something on the way up here. <clears throat> and this guy explained social media. He said, you need to realise that it's no longer the person that's getting offended. It's the people that follow them that are offended on their behalf that are attacking. Yeah, right. And I thought it was really that's interesting because I've had that. I had a debate with someone once. Um, and I was being attacked by their followers from other countries. And... and <laughs> They were, they were going after yeah. me, and I was like, "Who are? I don't even know who you are." Right. And you're making these judgments about me, and, right. but they were offended for this person. Yeah. And it attacked me, third party attacking. It was weird. So I had one the other day, just uh, just while we're talking about oh, yeah. this. I had one the other day, and I can't remember what I put. But I put something, <laughs> something like, "Men need to you know, harness their testosterone for good and not ill." Right. Now, Jordan Peterson's been saying this, but uh, you can trace me back 30 years saying this, right? Yeah. Harness, you know, we've got six times more testosterone than most women. So harness your testosterone. Use it for good. You know, submit you know, your sinful nature yeah. to Christ. You know, use yeah. what God's given you for, for good in the world. Words to that effect. And this guy, this pastor or something, just piled into me, mm. like... You're basically just saying, if you're not a meathead, you're this and you're that. And mm. no, no, I'm just saying, harness oh, your testosterone for good. It's cool. You know, we're broad spectrum masculinity out there. There's nothing new here. Yeah. Then it was like, you know what you're doing. You're using your platform and you're making contentious statements to build your popularity base. And I went, no, I'm just saying, you know, be a good man. You know, resist evil, yeah. you know, use your strength for good. Yeah. And he went on and on and on. Then he went, don't talk down to me, I'm six foot ten rugby player. And so actually started to be what I wasn't being. Wow. Started to be, you know, the complete opposite of what I was just... Dis- yeah. like he was yeah. coming at me in an attitude that he was speaking against. Yeah, I'm yeah. To say. yeah. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? And couldn't here? see it. Couldn't see that. Couldn't see it. Like, <laughs> and, and I think what happens is that People just decide you are someone. In the end, I just put it on going back to me flower. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, stuff like that. So, yeah. so people decide who you are on social media, decide what you believe, and attack you. And then the friends of their friends and their friends attack you. Mm. And in the end, everyone forgets who you are. They don't even know what you are. Forgot what the original statement was. And it's just a big pile on. Mm. It's a bar and brawl. Twitter's a bar mm. and brawl. Like, mm. No doubt about it at all. And what it does is, if you're a leader, you just it emasculates you as a bloke, and you think I cannot speak out on anything because I'm just going to get attacked. Mm. But there are people who need to hear what you're saying. It's very interesting. So you have mate. to push through. Yeah, you do. And it's the same in the office, I think. Like mm. as a leader, mm. like 
you can give people everything they want. They still want more, right? Mm. Are they mm. working conditions or practices yeah. or team culture? One minute you're popular, the next minute you're walking in the room, they'll all stop talking. That's yeah. the loneliness of command. Yeah. And you either cut out for that or you're not. But if, yeah. you, if you can be a sensitive leader, but I think if you're going to be driven by how people feel about you, you're never <laughs> going to create culture. Mm. You're never going to bring all the... There'll be no discipline. There'll be no high performance. Mm. You, you just, you've got to be prepared for people to hate on you. So we're going to drill into this, aren't we, about like culture of leadership, Christian and non. Mm. All this stuff. I, I found a little quote, mate, Peter Drucker. He was an Austrian-American management consultant. And he contributed massively into the world of business. Yeah. And he said this, only, fr- only three things happen naturally in organisations. Friction, confusion and underperformance. Everything else requires leadership. Okay. And I quite liked it. Three things naturally happen. Friction, confusion and underperformance. That's you, interesting. You've got to have leadership, haven't you? You really do. So what did it say again about friction? Only three things happen naturally in organisations. Friction, confusion and underperformance. So everything else has to be shaped by leadership. Like yeah. Every good output. Yeah, everything basically. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And that's so as a leader, that's like a properly lonely place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because your job's to see that, call <coughs> it out and build it. And that that's not going to please everyone, is it? No. No, and there is there's an interesting thing there on the the distance that you can put people or or the orbit that you place people into as a leader. Because if you're leading a church or a charity or anything, I guess, there may come a time when even the someone you really like, who you've employed, you've got to get rid of. You've got, you've got to terminate their contract. It's hard if they're, the, if they're your best mate and you made them your best mate and invited them to your wedding. And do, you, well, do you think you could be friends with your work colleagues? Not close friends, no. No. Acquaintances. You can have a level of trust. And respect, and you can you can do things socially, but there's always that divide. And interestingly, I don't know if I ever said, but when we went to Edgefest one year, um, there were a few CVM team there camping with their kids, and I made a deliberate decision to not camp with them, right? Um, because as soon as you got holiday in mind, yeah, but we had that shared holiday. We our tents were together and our kids were all playing together and now you're telling me I've got no job. Do you know what I mean? It's suddenly, you you can't... So I've always tried to keep a little bit of distance and it is a lonely spot, isn't it, to be in? Well, yeah, because you can... Well, unfortunately, you can have it used against you. I've been in situations before where, you know, we're mates on a mission and we're friends. Yeah. And, you know, you're trying to deal with, say, some incompetence or... Yeah. Some misadventure, misconduct. And you're trying to do it as friends. You're just trying to navigate that. Mm. And then they, um, they they decide that that's not what they want and they get the lawyer in and yeah. and you're hoping to work it out as mates for yeah. their incompetence and Can't their misconduct. And they throw the book at you because you didn't follow a procedure mm. because you were trying to be mates. And money complicates things, doesn't well, it? Well, the thing is, as soon as money sits on an account, they're working for you, it's a contract, right? And yeah. things just have to be done properly then. Yeah. This is what we've learned, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 
Yeah. And that can be brutal. Yeah. But hey, it's just like, you hope to not come to that, but... Yeah. Yeah, leadership is... Uh, do you think people are natural leaders? Yeah. You do? I do. I, I, I think you can train principles. Mm. Some people are just great leaders and some people are just not. Mm. I think there's a difference in leadership and management, right? Like, I don't think I'm a good manager. Mm. I can't, I just hate all the processes that come with management responsibilities. But in terms of creating vision and getting people yeah. to do things and yeah. buying in and passion and yeah, yeah. strategic direction, yeah. managing a small elite team of leaders, I'm, <laughs> I'm cool with that. But yeah. Management's different. Yeah. I don't think you can teach that flair that comes with visionary leadership. Mm. Like it's all the little things too, though, isn't it? Like when you're a strategic leader, yeah. you spot things that no one else spots. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for example... There's a voice, isn't there? A... Yeah, and, but a culture too. Like, you're the yeah. culture holder. Yeah. So, uh, we were talking earlier about the car parking situation here. Right? It's a stupid example. Mm. But uh, we've got an issue. We need to sort out the car parking out of the front because people getting blocked in. There's yeah. a big car parking <clears> out the back. People yeah. are basically being lazy and parking by the doors. Yeah. And I said, well, we need some signs up. You know, please leave this area for deliveries only. Or... Now, I know that, that if I don't say anything, the signs will just say, no parking. <laughs> Yeah. Or deliveries only. Yeah. But we want to be a welcoming and embracing place. Yeah. So I'd be like, please, would you consider not parking here? Or please, mm. please do leave this area for deliveries only. Thank you so much. Or something like that. But that's the voice. And that's the la the, right. the way so you speak. In a micro yeah. detail like that, through to the big picture, because actually the small thing informs the big thing. Yeah. But as a leader, you're probably one of the only people to spot that. Yeah. Unless you've got the right people in the job. And that's fascinating because it... You need to teach it. Yeah, and you're talking about the ministry voice or culture through a parking sign. You know, that's something in lo lots of ways trivial in the margins. But then you go onto a platform and that's the same kind of voice, tone. It's yeah. like CVM and The Gathering. You know, or our resources, our events, when we're communicating the heart of what we do, it's in a particular way that not everybody gets or is able to do. That's right. And it's an interesting... So I think leadership, just dwelling yeah. on this bit, like, it's mm. been the smallest detail. It's yeah. so important. There was some theory, some social theory, which I think has been discredited now. But, yeah, right. Uh, well, partially discredited, but I don't think it should have been. The broken window theory, have you heard of that? Yeah. So, like, if you're in a road... Yeah. Or in, like, a street where some people have broken some windows... Um, and there's loads of graffiti and there's loads of serious crime. What yeah. they're saying is, well, don't just go for the big headline stuff. Go for the broken, repair the broken windows, clean the graffiti, clean the streets, repair the bins, make it look nice because mm. that will elevate everything. Like the smallest detail affects the big outcomes. Yeah. But if you just go for the big outcomes, you don't repair the broken windows. Yeah. And I yeah. believe in that actually. Mm. Like sweat the small stuff in leadership, mm. Mm. not so that you're a control freak. Until that culture's bedded in, or you need yeah. to keep me bedding it in. Yeah. Now, that's the draining thing about leadership. Yeah. And that's what really cheeses people off, because you're going to an office, like I am going to after this podcast, and they may listen to this and think, oh, yeah, they spoke about that. But I'm going to go into the admin office after this and say, look, can we talk about the parking signs that are going to go up? Mm. And they might think, oh, what? A f you know, can't you trust us to do the parking signs? <laughs> well... 
No, it's a culture thing. Yeah. And, and so if you're back to linking all together, if you're going to be a people pleaser, mm. you're not going to go and have that awkward conversation with people who might embrace it with a little bit of disdain or hostility. Yeah. You don't upset them, so you just let it go. And then yeah. that impacts the big culture. Whereas a leader, you know, you're just unravelling. Where the, a leader who's prepared to take a hit and not worried about your popularity will go and say, this is what I want for the parking size. And this is why, just so we're clear, like I don't want you to really think I'm being an idiot. This this is why this really matters. Yeah. And then they know for next time. So you've got to explain it. Explain but it, it, but be prepared to be unpopular. And yeah. You walk out the door and be like, what's, what's you know? Yeah. Of course we knew to do that, but they might not have done. Yeah. It's an abrasive place to be, isn't it, as a leader? It just... It, you're constantly on the sharp edge of things, or, or you're, you're... There's constantly friction. I don't, not always negative, but... Well, you're, you're, you're the sharpening stone, sharpening yeah. the blade, aren't you? Yeah. And that's hard, and that's particularly acute and difficult, I think, if you're leading volunteers in a church environment, for example, where it's it's hard enough getting people to do stuff <laughs> if they're salaried, you know, at times. Right. Let alone someone who's helping you out. Yeah. You know, and I think that's tough. In church environments where there is a lot of working parts that are voluntary, Yeah. leading in that instance is, is, is a challenge. It is. And like you say, it's a lonely place. I was, have you been watching this Warship documentary? Nah. Uh, Stephen, the office is talking about it a lot. So on normal the, telly, is it? Yeah, it's on iPlayer. It's called Warship. I think mm. it's following the Queen Elizabeth aircraft carrier on her first operational tour a couple of years ago. Right. And because um, Steve is in the Royal Navy, so yeah. he talks about it a lot. So I thought yeah. I'd, I'd watch it. Karen was away, so I binge watched it <laughs> with a dog. And um, there's this bit in there. Which I think I knew this, but I'd never really absorbed it. But the the officers, uh, everyone has their own mess. Mm. All the junior ratings and the petty offices and chief petty offices. And it's their living area too. So it's fascinating. Like the officers will ask permission before they come into the able seaman ratings mess. Like right. the junior lowest of the low. Yeah. An officer won't just walk in because it's their home. So he'll mm. effectively knock and say, can I come in? Which is really interesting. Mm. Bear in mind an officer. And then the officers have the wardroom. Where there's all this etiquette around the wardroom, there's basically the officer's mess. Yeah. And there's all these things they can talk about or can't talk about and the way they got addressed with and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, the captain isn't a part of the wardroom. Like, he always eats alone, man. Like, he never... He has a, his own chef brings his meal. Mm. He has a steward that brings his meals to him. Mm. He does not mingle with the other officers. He lives alone. There's a complete separation. Mm. Apart from the odd time when the first officer, who is like his white hand manager, will invite him in for a special occasion. Yeah. Christmas dinner. That's or interesting. Right. So the captain has complete separation from his officers and his men. Yeah. And women um, in an operational capacity. He's completely isolated. The ultimate loneliness in command. Now... These military guys have this button down right. They know what works. They, these are tried and tested yep. systems that yep. go back you know, centuries. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Like, in ministry, we're all trying to be all mates yeah. and we're all family. And yeah. 
But then in the Royal Navy, discipline organisation, captain's separate, man. This guy's untouchable. Mm. Ducky didn't go near them. Each on his own. That's interesting, that. There's, there's definitely a version of that that I think is helpful. I mean, that's an extreme, isn't it? Mm. But there's, it is there's something there. Yeah. And I wonder how far, you know, we talk about in church life or ministry life, so with family. Are mm. we? Mm. <laughs> uh, how much should we talk like that? And how much is that manipulating people's feelings? Same with family. Yeah, and you know, and what does that make me a patriarch? Mm. Like, yeah, because I wouldn't see the team at CVM as family. I think that would be wrong. We're working together. We're serving. We're you know, your friends. Yes, yeah. There's a common goal, but you still have to have someone who makes that final call, don't you? Or right. Some, I, I remember. One, I remember. Coming out of the gathering one year, it, I think it was 2016, the year we don't talk about, the wet one. Mm. And I remember being in the, we had a boardroom then at our other office. We're all sitting around the boardroom and it came out that there was 20 grand short. We were 20 grand out of pocket at the end of that one. And someone said, well, how are we going to find that? And everyone looked at me. And I just thought, there it is. Like, that's the point where you go, I'm on my own. I've got to work this out. Mm. And and it was a good lesson to learn, but it, it it does make you realize that you as a leader you have to occupy a lonely a lonely space or I don't know, just this distance. You have to be distanced to get the job done. We had a meeting on a similar note, we had a board meeting for Edge uh, last week. We were signing off on these quite complex scenarios around an, our latest centre. Yeah. We're opening up community centre, and uh, and it's a tough decision. Mm. But I, you know, spoke to him and said, "Look, you sort of on my head, be it like uh, this yeah. is the right call. I'm, I'm, I'm in the call." And uh, and I said to him, I, "I know that everything stands or falls on my presence at the moment. This is the way it is, mm. rightly or wrongly. This is the way it is." And I went, "Yes, it does." And no, unless you're in that seat, no one knows what that feels like. No. And I, you know, you sit in churches and charities and meetings and you put stuff online and they all pile in on you and people write complaints or have you thought about this or mm. thought about that or you should do this and you should do that. And like, only you, only you see the whole picture. Yeah. And maybe a few close people around you see the whole picture. Yeah. And you've got to raise all the money, you've got to make it all work, communicate with the vision. Yeah. If it goes If it goes really well, well, that was all of Jesus. But if it goes wrong, it's you. Yeah. Right, that's it's a tough gig, man. It's a lonely, yeah. lonely place, right? I, I remember it's a funny story. I remember once I was leading the church, preaching my heart out, and the ex minister and his wife didn't leave, so they were oh, still there. So it was, a, dodgy, yeah, it, was man. it was a dodge. And I remember preaching my heart out one Sunday, and we didn't have a we didn't have much of a strong friendship, really. We, you know, it was a little bit strained at times. Respected each other. And he came up to me at the end and went, oh, I've got this book for you. I think it's important. And it was, the title was How to Preach from the Bible. <laughs> and I'd, I'd, I'd really spent myself reading the Bible, alone with God, searching. And, oh, and, he, and it was so out of relationship, it just hurt me. Yeah, I remember that. I remember saying to him, I've taken this as a criticism. And it was hard. 
What did he say? He I, he didn't see it. I, well, he said he didn't see it. He was like, oh, not my intention at all. But it's like, well, how could you not see a young guy trying to cut his teeth in ministry and really going for it? And out of any friendship, you kind of... Yeah, it's weird. Well, the other thing is, like, as the leader or maybe the founder or whatever... Mm. You you you're an owner, right? Like you yeah, own it. Like yeah. it, it's always with you. And then the people that are working with you, some of them will be owners. Yeah. But many of them won't be. And what really gets you gets mm. you go, I think, is when people come across really entitled. Mm. I want this. I want that. Get me this. Get me that. You're like, I will pay for this, man. Mm. And if they don't get what they want, they get hurt and upset. Mm. You're like. They're just seeing it different because you're the owner. Mm. And they're not. And that's the consequence of growing something. Yeah. They won't yeah. feel it like you. Well, because... And not everyone's meant to. No. And I, so I've been working for CVM nearly 10 years and I can't mm. really remember a day, and this is honest, where I've walked out the door and switched off from CVM. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. It's always in my thought. I'm at home and it's in my head and, and, and mm. people may listen and go, well... That's your problem. That's wrong. But when you you carry something, it's mm. different. You, you and it's not that I'm not trusting God, or it's not that yeah, it's on your head all the time, isn't it? But there's bills to pay. There's stuff. There's all sorts of complications, and you're always carrying something. Yeah. And people don't realize that. Like it's not like I finished my post round, and I can. No, and the my... people are moaning at you. Yeah. You're trying to raise their salary every yeah. month. Yeah. Yeah. They're moaning at you, yeah. and you're trying to pay them. Yeah. And sometimes. Maybe not paying yourself so they get yeah. paid, not they'd know that. Yeah. But but Crazy. other jobs, you, you shut the door, you walk away, done. you leave your tools and you're done. Yeah. You go back the next morning and you go again. I guess you're running a business, it's the same, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it probably is. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's always with you, it's always on your head. Mm. So extraordinary pressures in leadership, but a lot of blessings too. I mean, there is. You know, you get to participate in God's mission and you can set an agenda and a tone and manage your time. and Yeah. A lot of blessing as well, but it is a. Here's another quote, mate. Here's a good one. This is a from a bloke called D. Hock. To get that right, he was founder of Visa. Oh yeah. Dead now. And he said, "If you want to lead, invest at least forty percent of your time in leading yourself." Mm. And he talked about, and another guy did as well. A John, a Jim, Jim Ron. They talk about this personal self-awareness and investment in you and who you are so that you're not speaking from some learnt formula. Mm. You know, it's you coming through. It's You've invested in yourself. And there's a fascinating quote he did it towards the end of his life. Actually, no, further in. Uh, through the years, this is, this is the founder of Visa speaking, in his 1991 Business Hall of Fame acceptance speech, he explained, through the years, I've greatly feared and sought to keep at bay the four beasts that inevitably devour their keeper, ego, envy, greed and ambition. In 1984, I severed all connections with business for a life of isolation and anonymity, convinced wow. I was making a great bargain by trading money for time position for liberty and ego for contentment. 
that the beasts were securely caged. Presumably he had a lot of money, so he could do that. He had a lot of money. He had a 200-acre land and he right. rode around on horseback for 10 years. So that years. does enable you to yes, get off grid. there is that. But I think the principle still holds. That you get to a point where you say, I'm not going to be ruled by this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just found it well, quite interesting. Let's talk about that because um, one of the things we often talk about, mate, hmm. Is you know, the, the Christian world talks about self care a lot these days? Self care, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think we see the outcomes of it very much. No fruit of it. Well, I, you know, there is this. Um, I spilled the alcohol free. I saw it, mate. Like you've not stopped m- mopping up. Well, it just it just frothed up, you know. Mm. It is gassier. Yeah, Do you, gassy. Have you found that with the alcohol free? Yeah, can't it? drink many of them. Well, when you're on, when we're on the beer, you go and have a pint. You think somehow you make room for another one, and I Easy. don't think it's any more gassy. I just think mm. because it's not making your shoulders go down, and you're not getting that yeah. alcohol buzz. Yeah, you think well, actually, one's enough. I'm quite happy with a cup of tea now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true, actually. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Sorry, mate. You were saying. Um, yeah. So the fruit of self care. Mm. Uh, John, what, Jim, John Ronson, he wrote this, I think it was John Ronson, he wrote this book called The uh, the Psychopath Test. <laughs> Mate, okay. read it. Psychopath a, Test? Psychopath Test. Is there an actual test you can do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can, you go through this book, and, and, and anyway, the basic premises that, well, not one of the premises, that a lot of leaders and managers, well, senior managers, execs, on the psychopath scale, like big time. Right. I remember walking into one, like I read this book, and I remember walking into one ministry leader's office. I'm like, flipping out my days. This is the book. Because in the book it says, you know, like, if you're going to make loads of people redundant, like you're going to buy a company and just sack thousands of people, yeah. but a whole town's employees on the on yeah. the goal, yeah. you've got to be on a psychopath scale. Like to do that, you've got to just not care. Because yeah. otherwise you just have a breakdown, you know. And it talks about um, various, you know, there are a lot of CEOs are on this scale. And it's a, one of the hallmarks is that they they like predatory animals, you know, and they like hunting or wow. they have like statues of eagles everywhere. Right. And he goes into one guy, this like famous uh, corporate raider dude who was always hired by boards to, he'd make a lot of money in the share prices because you'd just go in and consolidate everything, wipe whole factories out. Improved the share price, but the cost of tens of thousands of people's jobs. Right. What his name? Said so you know shareholders loved him because he made them money. Um, but when he went to visit this guy in his house, he go down the driveway like lions on either side of the gate, right? Like eagle statues. Yeah, I get the picture. Like, yeah, yeah. Mate, I went into a senior ministry leader's office once, and he went through like the the PA's office first. Yeah, like the PA had a PA. And yeah. The, their PA had a PA type of vibe and then you went into this room and there is a big long office you know and, and like eagles statues of eagles wow. and, you know and like there's a big gap between where you were and the desk a big desk looking out of the windows and I'm like this is true so many mm. ministry leaders mm. I'm not saying they're psychopaths I'm saying that yeah. they're on this scale like many of us are I think mm. or they're like sociopaths mm. um I just I look at social media and and I look at ministry leaders' profiles mm. 
And man, do they make it about them. Mm. <laughs> like, to the, this yeah. terrible degree. Why does no one... language is weird. They use this weird language. I'm just trying to think, you know, um, will you join me in praying for? Yeah. Who talks like that? It's very centralised around them, isn't it? Yeah. Will you join me? Because I'm leading the way. I'm the guy. Mm. Join me in praying for this thing. Or, you know, like the Queen dies. Here's a picture of me with the Queen, oh, or when they gave me, me an OBE. Yeah. Will you join me in praying for it? with a picture of me with my OBE from the Queen? I'm like, yeah. you're making it all about yeah. you. When you're making was the Queen. Yeah. There were a bunch of posts where people made the Queen. I see death, that a lot. Yeah. I like about that. them. And I'm like, I remember when Her weird, Majesty man. said to me, oh. it's like, no, it's not about you. No I can't really believe cares. I get to do this with this ultra famous person. Yeah, I see, I've seen that a lot. Well, just why do you have to post it? Yeah. Why do it? Yeah. You know, or you know, the picture of them and all their books are in the background. Yeah, piled up. Yeah, well, we're seeing it a lot. We're seeing it a lot. The carefully crafted photo that's mm. made to look like it's not. Mm. And it's important to say this isn't. This is a genderless issue. Well, this is men and women. We see this for both. I said that really high pitched. You did actually. Can you get that again? <laughs> because actually it is like yeah. it's, it's across the board this is not just a men thing. oh it is totally yeah and, but it's excruciating yeah and shameless mm. like, and, and all the pulpit photos and all yeah. the numbers oh I had 200 it was great to join with 227 people at my event doing this why does it matter to Jesus if it's five people yeah, or 500? We're, we've got a moan on today, haven't we, mate? What's that about, man? But we do laugh about it because you've got that. <laughs> I may have sent you a few clips where <laughs> you can tell someone doesn't believe what they're saying. Oh, yes. I'm so pleased to be <laughs> accepting yeah, this. Yeah, no, that was amazing. It's like you watch the, the non oh, We've done amazing work this year. There it we're is. so pleased with everything we've done. Yeah. And oh. we've accomplished a huge amount. <laughs> yeah. You're shaking your head, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't believe it. Non-verbal communication is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Getting all I, wet and flustered. Mate, I'm so aware of it. When I speak now, if I, so, if I feel my head shaking, I stop it. It's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. But that is, these are symptoms of, yeah. like, we're more concerned about looking amazing. and Well, and I think what annoys us is no one seems to call this out. Yeah, I think that's are. what's annoying. That's what we do. We're yeah, and we're, we're willing to be those blokes. I Who cares? Care. No, Who cares? If you don't like it, stop listening. Yeah, tune out, unsubscribe. Yeah, don't but that's the truth. It's <laughs> out there. It's out there. I, so I stopped, as you know, I think you're on this journey to, aren't you? Yeah. For many years... When I was trying to position CVM before you took over, mm. like we were some cottage industry down yeah. south, and we wanted to reach people across the nation. So I, I, you know, I went to every networking thing going, and I soon realised you could fill up your diary with networking invitations. Yeah. Then you kept seeing the same people at everything, yeah. and you know, and then you know, where there's the money, people like the major donors. Yeah. Th- you know, they were these ministry just putting sycophantic posts. Underneath major donors' posts. Oh, it's so wonderful to see your holiday in Barbados. Oh, yeah. wonderful you're on this luxury private yacht. Yeah, cooey, I'm still here. I need yeah, your money. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and just loving all this stuff that 
Yeah. Actually, you probably preached against in a sermon, right? So because yeah. you, yeah. you're selling your soul. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, not that I'm just to be clear here, not saying that everything you're doing is wrong. I'm saying that the contradictions. Well, I, I stopped going. I remember so, one, yeah, I went to one particular event and there's a person I know well and I went over to speak to them and I got the complete cold shoulder and they literally walked through me and behind me was a wealthy donor and they wanted to get to this wealthy donor and literally pushed me out of the way. Yeah. As I, was, I had my hand out saying, hey, how are you doing? And pushed me out of the way. And I was like, that's how it works. Then. Mate, I've had it, you've seen this, where... Um, a major trust fund complimented me or something on some mm. post mm. and um, it happens to actually be a genuine friend yeah and uh, and someone in national leadership who has never engaged with me at all on social media jumps the first in. time I ever yep. jumped in yep I'm here too being a really oh hi great to see you guys because that person's got money right Disgusting. That's what it's about, and, and and it's almost like it's unspoken. Like we don't, that can't be happening. No, it is all the time. Yeah, position and it's, posi- it's, it's position yeah. gold. Yeah, and I think Jesus grieves, man. Yeah. I think the Holy Spirit grieves. I just don't. So, like, I jumped. I having said that, I went to all these things. I just stopped. Hmm. You know, a wake-up call for me was when a national leader said to me, Carl, you know, you're designed to reach millions. I can't see you living in a poor working community just talking to a handful of people. And I'm like, yeah, that's just what I do, actually. Mm. So I jumped out of all of those yeah. circles. But the, the thing is that the more you do that, the more God shines a light anyway. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I tried to carry that mantle for a little while of go to everything, show up everywhere, get the right people to endorse your books. Ah, don't do it anymore. I'm not interested. You know, if God if God puts CVM in the right place at right times, he'll, he'll cause it to shine. So we're talking about this anonymous publishing now, aren't we? Yeah. We're thinking like... Don't let people know what you're doing. Co- yeah. yeah, just be a collective. We produce amazing resources, yeah. plain covers, but no mate, endorsements. How countercultural is that? Where we are in, we are suffocating with people. Have you seen my new book? Have you seen what I've written? Look what I'm saying. Mm. Nah, no thanks, mate. Let's let's have an anonymous collection of books that just give people life and help yeah. people. It's not about you. It's not about your name on the front. Well, so I'm trying to develop this thing called New Nazarite. You mm. know, like Samson was a Nazarite. Yeah. So he didn't cut his hair, didn't touch alcohol. Yeah. Didn't touch dead bodies. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. So I'm developing this new thing, which you, and you probably don't see it because you're off the social media. Don't use Facebook, yeah. But, uh, I have seen it. Though. Yeah, so new Nazarites, I'm saying is living a life of simplicity, sobriety, service and obscurity. Because if you pursue like a simple life, let's talk like opulence, wealth, possessions, it's the parable of the sower. Yeah. Now, the, 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 the sea got choked out by the thorns, the concerns of this world yeah. and the accumulation of wealth. And yeah. Jesus spoke why into that. So you choose to lead a simple life. There's lots to unpack there. But then you pursue a, a sober life, not just on alcohol, but just being sober-minded and mm. you know, choosing that simple, pure path and nothing getting interrupted, nothing giving you that hazy interruption. And just serving others, serving the poor in hidden, humble ways because if you serve, then you're not thinking about yourself and yeah. you're not getting into complexity and 
living this opulent life. He just just served the poor yeah. and lead to the most broken. And then obscurity, accepting that God gives you platform, because he does. Yeah. God signs the light, but you don't chase it. Mm. You don't make it the big headline. That you point beyond yourself to Christ because he's far more important than you. Mm. You know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So if there's anything good you see in me, it's only because of one in me that's greater. Yeah, yeah. Like it's only because of the Holy Spirit. It's only because yeah. of Jesus. So actually intentionally pursuing an obscure life in the shadows. So simplicity, sobriety, obscurity and service. We put it on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I think that is the antidote to the culture today. And mm. if leaders embraced that, they'd feel far healthier because you would be looking after your self-care. You're just choosing to do simple things, quiet, humble, yeah. beautiful, simple things. You're not chasing your possessions. You're yeah. not worried about your wealth. You, you're laying your life down for others and you're just happy to be in the shadows of your friends and your family. Yeah. Like Jesus did, right? He did these amazing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did in the shadows. Yeah. So I'm trying to work that through in my life. And mm. since I did that, I just feel so much better. And obviously when it comes to sobriety, I mean, I'm, I've taken that to the next level, you know, but yeah. fantastic for it. Yeah. Yeah. It does, it does go in the face of another example being invited to speak and using the platform to sell your books or sell your website. We've seen that right. All the time. And it's like... What is that about? So people say to me, I'll go and preach places. Have you got any books to sell? And no. No, I'm not here to sell you books. I'm here to honour your event. Yeah. And I'm here to talk about Jesus. Yeah. I'm even worse now, mate. I'm like, I'll come to your event if I can talk about Jesus to poor or to blokes. Yeah. Outside of that, I'm, I'm not good for anything else. No, it's a different spirit, mate. I, so I went to a men's event just recently and I was the keynote. And when I got there, I said to the guy, I've got a banner, I've got CVM stuff, merch, books. I said, if you don't want it up, no sweat. Like, I'll just leave it in the car. What's, what's your view on it? And he was like, oh, cool, now bring it in. But w- the amount of times our events, you get people hijacking with their stuff and... So I think the better spirit is to go gently and go with what you've been asked to do. You know, you've asked me to speak. Here's, here I am with my Bible. Right. And how bad is it that you're there to talk about Jesus or the speaker Mate. gets up yep. and actually make the talk a bit about Jesus at best, Yeah. but all about what they're doing and accomplishing. Yeah. And then the final closing thing is my book. Yep. yep. Like how many times have you seen that? Yeah, loads. My, the last thing you are left with yeah, it's my book. Yeah, let me tell you about my books. Yeah, it's incredible, and and we see it all the time. All the time. But yet nobody seems to be a counter voice to it. Going, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Well, and I do not that we we think we're the police of the Christian world because we're not, but I do think we need to start, and others need to start calling that out. It's just it's just honest conversation, isn't it? It's a willingness to say, guys, is this really what we're about? Well, what should we do? Like, let's say you're at another conference, and one of our friends who speaks or always ends with their book deal. Do we go to them and say, hey, bro, I just think you need to leave people with Jesus and not your book? Mm. Is that what we say? Maybe. I think I might be drifting here a little bit. That's right. Been all over the place. You started off talking like kangaroos, <laughs> but I think there's a decisiveness to leadership. There's a there's a strength in just making the call, making the decisions, speaking out, and particularly with men. I think blokes respect it, and I always remember at the gathering one year, 
you were leading the sort of gospel closer response time. Right. And one bloke shouted out, over two and a half thousand men, he shouted out, come on, lads, like, don't leave it. He was trying to manipulate mm. and put pressure on men to make a conversion. Right. And it's just in that millisecond, it changed the, the moment. Right. Because you and I know that a lot of work goes into getting the right environment that's, that we, we make it together. And instead of leaving it, you, <laughs> you, you shut him down. Yeah, I can't yeah instantly. You were basically like, no, 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 no pressure on the men. It's, it's a genuine faith decision. Right, we don't yeah. put pressure on the men. And, it, it, you know, it shut him up. Right. And, and rightly so. And I think a lot of blokes in that tent were like, yeah, good, that wasn't right. Mm. He needed to be shut up. And I think it's just an example, but I think leaders need that edge. You didn't watch the Fury fight, did you? The uh, Fury and Jake Paul? Nah. Right, so I was watching it last night. Yeah. And, uh, I forgot it was on. I know. Halfway through the fight, Logan Paul's there, right? Jake Paul's well. Yeah. I know we get told off for eating on the floor. Well, I'm, I'm sitting back as I'm crunching. Right. Because I, I think I got told off in own episode. Yeah. Just have a few in a minute. Logan Paul calls out. Right, Tommy Fury, the Fury family, beep, beep, beep. There, right. beep, beep, beep. All oh, right. And mate, it's disgraceful. Like, everything we don't want in boxing culture. I mean, I know, mm. like, boxing's a fight. Yeah. There's enough violence in the ring. Like, you mm-hmm. want respect and honor, mm. culture outside the ring. And all the commentators called it out. They're like, that's disgusting, that's disgraceful, that's absolutely everything we don't want. Journalists have called it out. And I think that's good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think... You're crunching that. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. <laughs> I think as men, you call out narcissism, ungodly behaviour, mm. the tyranny, mm. and, yeah. and, you know, and an abusive position. And yeah. Well, you can you can call it out with with sincerity if you are walking that journey, can't you? If you are, I mean, if you're trying to call out another guy, not not publicly, but you're trying to speak into life another guy for his addiction to porn, you you're not really on stable ground if you're looking at porn. <laughs> oh yeah, right. You got to be walking the right. Got to be walking right? the walk. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that to be honest, mate. One of the reasons I cut booze, I didn't want anyone pointing fingers at me if I'm mm. calling it out in other people and yeah. on my team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just seeing some culture around the gathering and other men's events. Yeah. And and ordination, mm. ordinance meetings and, and people so, just getting bladdered, yeah. you know, like church leaders getting bladdered. I'm like, I know this doesn't please the Holy Spirit, but I've got a... Well, I, I used to get bladdered. Yeah, I've got, I'm I've not, got to sort, I'm not gonna, no, I've got to sort myself out. Yeah, I used to love drinking. I did. <laughs> No, I'll make no qualms yeah. about it. I was a happy drinker. Never never an out clubbing or pubs or anything. I just liked at home when I'm cooking the kids' tea. Yeah. Have a drink or four. Mm. Do you know, we were talking about this the other day, um, the death rows of alcoholism. Yeah, the death row of alcohol addiction. Yeah, the you get dreams. Booze dreams. Going into co-op, filling my arms up with strong really? ciders. Yeah, strong ciders and opening Mine them up. Mine was different to that. Mine was like... <laughs> I'd be in the pub and uh, someone would pour me like a double G&T 
and I'd, I'd think it was a lemonade, and I'd start drinking. I'd go, oh, it's got alcohol in it. And I'm like, do I, don't I? <laughs> Caramel, no, or God knows. And oh. I'm like, oh, no. And then I wake up, and I hadn't drunk it, and I was so relieved. It was a dream. <laughs> and Yeah. Yeah. I don't get them anymore. I mean, I'm like nearly 17 months in now. Yeah. That, that's all gone, but... Um, Amazing, mate. But you can't call it out unless you walk that path. It's harder to, isn't it? So there are things that... We, well, I mean, we are not the angel Gabriel, man. Well... Like, but but there are decisions that we have made around obscurity, aren't there? Mm. And self promotion and yeah, yeah, there are. And and it's not an easy journey. Like the last month, probably not every day, but I have been thinking, oh, I could do with a drink. Right. Oh, I could do with a nice bottle of wine. You know, yeah. yeah. And it comes back. And I think life, not life, but I think that journey will be. We'll have moments where it's there again and you think, oh, I could. But, yeah, it's a decision, isn't it? Uh, pride stops me. I mean, I don't have desire for drink anymore. Karen was away for four days recently. She was away the night before my birthday on my birthday morning. If ever there was a time I could have been vulnerable and thought, yeah, no one about, have a drink. Do you know what? Didn't, did you just not fancy it? Didn't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I just so not part of my life, and I think it's pride as well. <coughs> you know, no, I'm trying to watch my health a little bit at the moment as well. Yeah. You know, we'll end up just going to bed with heartburn and thinking, why the bother? I mean, the next morning it's feel terrible. Yeah, I think I've got to start all over again. Yeah, 17 months wasted because I had a glass of Chablis. Like, what the heck? Mm. But the other thing is, and we weren't, this wasn't a podcast about sobriety, but. When it comes to leadership, you want to be clear-headed, man. You want to be mm. making good decisions. Mm. And if you're going to call out sin, and if you're going to call out behaviours, and you want to set a culture, you, like you say, you've got to walk it. Well, I think you've got to yeah, aspire to be beyond reproof. And that sounds like a really old christian thing to be saying. But, but it's but true. I think it's true. I have nothing on me. I've got clean hands. Right. And that's... That's a powerful thing to and say. Then the past is the past, right? I do think the Holy Spirit allows you to say, I'm done with that, mm. a line in the sand, <coughs> and it cleanses yeah. you from all unrighteousness and let you move mm. on. Yeah. I think. You know, you make, make a good, I think as a leader, particularly, make a good godly decision. As a man, you're the leader of the culture around you if you're a Christian. Now, you yeah. see the atmosphere. You can yeah. affect an office culture by being a, a good godly man, right? Yeah, and in leadership, and I've I've probably said this before, you know when <clears throat> when the weight of the Holy Spirit's on you, mm. and you speak, and, and we speak in front of thousands of men each year, you know when you're speaking that the weight of the Holy Spirit's there. You know when you've got heaven's authority. You know, and you know when you haven't. Mm. And I, I've been on both sides of that. Yeah. And you stand there and think, Oh Lord, you're not you're not here. You're not on this. Right. And you, and whether it's personal things or you know a walking away or yeah, I don't know. But there's definitely a weight of of the life. So that, how much is is <coughs> the blessing of the Holy Spirit, the mm. fire of God, being blunted by people making it about them, promoting their stuff, mm. being like you know traders in the temple? Yeah, yeah. I, I well, do well, you think can get pleases the Lord. Yeah, you can. You've said this before. You can get by to a certain degree on talent, yeah, and and ability and learn gifts and 
force of personality. Yeah. But then it'll only get you so far and you get to this point where there's no real lasting fruit or life that's coming from mm. your ministry. And you have to stop and go, hang on a minute. I mean, it's missing. Mm. And that's hard. But yeah, that's that's the leader role. Interestingly, I was thinking about this the other day. So here's a scenario. There's a real situation. Someone who went to a church meeting, spoke, rightly or wrongly, challenged, you know, threw in some challenging curveballs, obviously triggered the pastor, <clears throat> right. who then didn't respond well after and, and responded in an email, a very sort of hurtful, you wounded me, right. this is out of line kind of email. And it stayed with me because I started to think a couple of things. I think, A, as a leader... In part, you almost surrender your heart to that. Right. And you say, I will be offended in this role. I've just got to roll with it. Yeah, take the punch, man. You have to take the punch. That's the job. And the second part is <laughs> you've got to internalize and say, okay, what is this person going through right now? Why did they say and that? And that's the job. That's the job. Your job is doing healing and freedom to job. people. Then people yeah. often hurt because they're speaking out of hurt and Pain. other stuff going on in their lives. Yeah. The best thing you can do is just say, hey, you're doing all right. How can I... What's happened? Yeah, where are you coffee. Exactly, How mate, exactly. Because they're just screaming yeah. at dad, you know, yeah. because they're hurting. Yeah, and, and what the I thing is... what mum. Yeah, and I think what's so damaging is, in this example, for instance, it hasn't gone this way, but that email, some people can lose faith no, over such a moment damaging, and yeah. walk away from God. Yeah. And as a leader, you have to overcome you in that moment. And I think there's a difference between talking to someone on your team who's also might be of a course. professional leader, yep. who's basically acting like a div yep. and should know better, to someone that you're there to care and love for yeah, is absolutely. properly hurting. Absolutely. In my experience, is transference. Like people transfer their feelings onto you because you're like the mm. dad they never had or the dad who hurt them or the mum mm. who hurt them or the head teacher that yeah. bored them out, you know. And you've got to show a different heart, haven't you? Yeah. That's the job, man. Mm. That's why it's tough. I was reading this interesting thing. This guy's died now, Edward de Bono. I don't remember him. Oh, yeah. He, he, talk, he talked about possibilities. And the example he gave, if you meet an aggressive person, you should consider what is possible. So in your head, you start asking these questions. Yeah, this could be an aggressive person. Or they're insecure. Or something's happened. They're triggered. They're emotional. There's a reason for it. You know, something's upset, upset them. So you start building this framework of possibility around this person. Yeah. So instead of sitting immediately behind a, well, you're just an aggressive person, mm. you start to look wider and deeper and ask those questions. And that mm. comes from a place of personal sort of security and confidence, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and I think that comes from, we've probably said this loads of times in the past, Romans 8.15 says, by the Holy Spirit, we can't have a father, no sons of God. Mm. Days. You know that God loves you when you lose a draw. He's your father in heaven mm. and he loves you all and all. And you're his son. Yeah. Unconditionally loved. When you really know that in your heart, it means you can take insults, opposition, because your self-esteem, your sense of worth, your identity is not in yeah. whether you like me blackers or not. Yeah. It's actually my father in heaven loves me yeah. and Jesus died for me. Yeah, yeah. And I know it. In my heart, yeah, I, I know it in my head and I know it in my heart, yeah, and, and I know it's well with my soul. Then it, it might yeah. hurt you, but you can still take it, and you're not going to make stupid decisions based on hurt mm. and hit out of people. 
Yeah. You can be life to people. And here's the thing, like you can love people and help them. They'll hurt you later, man. Oh, yeah. No, they just oh, will. Yeah. Like, you help people, sometime later it won't be enough. Hmm. That's life. Well, and, that's leadership. And you may even hurt them. That's the, that's the, the reality of it. you probably will. I often say to people, like, you love me now, but there'll come a time when I really disappoint you. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. hurt you because I'm human. What's that, isn't it? Yeah. Mate, these honey roast cashews are good. Mate, they're well good. They're quite high on the old calories as well. Yeah, it? I know. I've got to watch that, the old sugar intake, mate. So. It's a good source of fibre, though. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think I've had too much of it, mate. <laughs> I'm really conscious of eating in the mic. Yeah. I'm carrying away. Look, mate, I listen to other podcasts and they're smoking cigars and mm. clinking whiskey glasses. <laughs> we're just having some honey cashews. <laughs> like, and, and a zero Erdinger. <laughs> it isn't even called a zero beer. It's a refreshing isotonic drink. Mate. Here's a thing. Let's just have a little pause. We'll just come out to surface for a minute, then we'll go back in. I'm thinking about getting an ice bath. Yes, because you've been watching Joe Rogan and, and um, his other guy does it, hippie guy. Wim Hof. No, um, that's a brand. Maybe. You've been watching it on telly. <coughs> you've been watching getting in there ripped. No, um, there's yeah. more to it than tell that. Tell me you've not seen Joe Rogan get an ice bath. I can't tell you I haven't. Okay. But that's part of the... <laughs> Let me sell Why it to you. Know? This is what Joe Rogan says. There you go. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> he says, difficult things, particularly physical challenges, yeah. make regular life less, dis- less, <laughs> less difficult. difficult. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of talk around ice baths and mm. getting, getting up, getting, getting into an ice bath... Mm-hmm. Couple of minutes. It looks terrible. You have to build up to it. Oh yeah. Those you die. SAS breathing. The square, you know, the SAS square. So you breathe in for four. Hold it for four. Mm. Let it out for four. Mm. SAS breathing. You know Joe Rogan and these other guys, you know that they 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 do fads, man. Like they try everything. One day it's a carnivore diet, then oh, I've moved on to this and now I'm doing DMT, now I'm doing an ice bath. Maybe I'll just eat some more peanuts yeah, then. some more peanuts, dude. You're going to get an ice bath? Well, <clears throat> I was looking. How are you going to do it in summer? Well, I don't know. I had thought it's through properly, but it. they do them on Amazon, 100 quid. Mm. They're like inflatable ones with a shape. You just get an That's iron tin, man. Just do it man. Yeah, but these come with a cover. Right. And I hate cold water. Yeah. So I was thinking it might be a fun discipline. Get out, get in that water. Mm. You're not buying it? Just walk a dog, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get out and walk the dog, rain or shine, cold. I'm not sure it'd do me any favours. I mean, I've got some muscle issues at the moment, right? So I don't think it's going to help me. If no. I, that. I could try it. Maybe it'll help. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I just think these guys, they just try lots of different things. They've got a lot of money and a lot of time. You're right, yeah, but don't they say there's medic, there's science, there's some science behind it. Well, yeah, I can't quote it. No, exactly. But I could look it up online. Mm. Take you to a video. How's the astroturf? Mate, you do you know it? what? Have you hoovered it? Two things, eh? Do you hoover it? No, I've not hoovered it. Mm. Two things about the astroturf. 
the first thing is, there is zero work to do. Yeah. Before, I had to mow the lawn. Don't you like mowing a lawn? Yeah. No, not my lawn. Patchy, muddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a terrible. Yeah. I had to, I had to borrow my father-in-law's mower, then bag all the Why grass up because there's nowhere to put it. I've only got little lawns, so I don't really need I to. I have own a push along one. Hmm. No, sorry. Well, look, this. I'm absolutely converted. The artificial lawn mm. is amazing. It yeah. looks amazing. You brush it? No. No. Where's the dog we go? It goes, runs through because mm. I didn't put a weed membrane underneath. Mate, it's just amazing. No, I didn't. I, can, I can't. If you're in what a are you state. What are you doing the weeds come through? They won't come through. Okay. No, they shouldn't do. <laughs> Said with such conviction. But if, if you're in a stage of life where you want a maintenance-free garden that's mm. clean, no mud, no mess, mm. no lawn mowing and hassle, mm. get yourself an artificial lawn. It's Essex, isn't it? Well, yes. And actually, have you seen in the news, Colchester, where I live, mm. has been ranked the most miserable place in the UK? I heard about that. Ridiculous. Yeah. But Ridiculous. Colchester's a lovely city. Mate, uh, stupid. Stats are skewed. I mean, I can think of much more miserable places. Easily, easily. I, d- I don't get it. Oh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, people are happy. Castle. They reckon people are unhappy. I don't think it's right. What's that to do like pressure of work and communities I don't know. London? But artificial grass. Someone came up to me the other day. Mm. I said that his son listens. Hello, mate, if you're listening. And he was inspired by the artificial grass. <coughs> all the things you talk about. Yeah. That was the thing that grabbed him. These are quite spicy. Actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you're eating and I'm not. I, I got told off last time. Which I thought was funny at the time. Anyway, right. Good. I think we're done. Is that it? You want to stop? Well, I don't know. And with me crunching. Yeah. Can I do a couple of CVM adverts? Go on then. The gathering. Yeah, let's talk about the gathering. Let's talk about the gathering. If you don't know about the gathering, then you miss something very special. Mm. The gathering. It's like a cross between Top Gear and Songs of Praise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not said that before. Mm. Everyone's yeah. into laughing or saying that. Oh. Yeah, that's sort of thing, isn't it? Oh, right. It's like a cross between Top Gear and Songs of Praise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Mm. June 20. 4th, 26th. In a field near Swindon. Head over to the gathering dot... The Gatheringformen.com. Gatheringformen.com. Come on, Find out more. Also, while you're online, type in winningmen.co.uk and you can find there all of CVM strategy, vision, resources. We've put it all together for you. There's also an app. If you go to your app store, type in Mighty Networks. Download that app. And then search winning men. Bosh. You're in. Ah, bosh. Ah, bosh. Um, 30 grams serving. Yeah, go on. These are the honey roast cashews. 4.2 grams of sugar. Oh. That ain't too bad. Well, that's a seventh of it is sugar. That ain't bad. Live with those numbers. Mm. What else are you talking about? Why don't cats and dogs have belly buttons?
cats and dogs do have them. They just don't look like human ones. When they're born, a puppy or kitten's mother bites off the umbilical cord, leaving a small flat scar on their stomach. This is their equivalent belly button. Fur grows over it, making it trickier to observe. But if you see a cat or dog rolling on the back, you may be able to spot it. I'm going to show you... Um, this book's brilliant. What is it? This book is funny, you should ask, it's called. I'm going to find this joke that really made me laugh. Should the tea or milk go in first? Right, listen to this. Go on. Uh, milk second on a cup of tea. Yeah, of course. Right, this is... But this is the German knock-knock joke, right? Have you ever heard of my Nazi knock-knock joke, Lewis? No. Knock-knock. Who's there? We will ask the questions. <laughs> 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 Probably slaps him around the face. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's a genius. <laughs> I've not seen that one. Absolutely. <laughs> What's that on? I just put Nazi not not token. Oh. Yeah. What's his other play again? Oh, it's the adverts. Adverts. Don't look at don't look at the adverts. Don't look, don't look. Hold on, turn Do on. you right, look away from adverts? Yeah, you can't look at them. Hold on. Right, here we go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Vive, ask the questions. <laughs> 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 Is that just the best not watching? I think it's funny because he, he hits him so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Mate, I'm eating these now. I'm proper crunching yeah, them. Dumb. 